When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, everyone, to The Basement Binge. Welcome to another episode as we continue through Animation Hall of Fave, Volume 2. This is a blast, and I am extremely excited to be talking about this particular film, Lupin the Third, the first. When you hear of Lupin the Third, you either know exactly what I'm talking about, and you understand why this episode is included in Animation Hall of Fave 2, and why it's going to be so much fun, or you have no idea. If you're in that latter group and you're still listening, thank you so much for listening. I promise this is a film worth enjoying. The majority of it, the vast majority of this episode, more so than usual, is spoiler-free. I will give you forewarning before any type of spoilers comes, so stick around, especially for a chance at potentially winning a copy of this movie, if that's the one that you so pick, if you are the winner of the Animation Hall of Fame giveaway. Details about that after our first segment, Two Cents. Two Cents is the spoiler-free, well, the like I said, more than normal, this is normally just the spoiler-free section, my knee-jerk reaction to my, the film, my thoughts about it. And to talk about Lupin the Third, the first, and why I love it, I have to mention a little bit about Lupin the Third and his legacy. He's kind of like the Japanese James Bond, kind of, created as a manga in 1967 by Monkey Punch, and since then, Lupin the Third has been written into many other manga series, has two animated pilot episodes based off that manga, seven animated series, the seventh of which premiered in October 2021 with the 50th anniversary of the anime, 11 theatrical animated films, two live-action films, five OVAs, 27 animated TV specials, five musicals, multiple CDs, and over 20 video games. One of those films, The Castle of Cagliostro, being Aya Miyazaki's directorial debut for uh, feature films. So Lupin Third has quite a legacy in Japanese pop culture and the character is one that many Japanese people love. Lupin the Third, the first, which is this film, kind of a fun name, is the first 3D CGI Lupin film, making the transfer from 2D animation, hence kind of the name, the first. It's a character rich in 2D animation and animation in general, and this is the first 3D CG film. So with that bit of background, Lupin the Third, the first, should become the flagship example for any studio wanting to make a 3D CG film from a 2D work. I love 2D animation and I don't want it to go anywhere. I think we need more of it. But 3D animation does have some advantages and Lupin the Third, the first takes advantage of every single one of them. It's loyal to the anime on the manga, visually and stylistically, and in the characterization of these classic characters. Lupin is a thief, a gentleman's thief with class, but he's also really goofy. And I've been looking forward to this episode as an excuse to just revisit the movie because it's a lot of fun and simply that. 
I'm extremely new to the franchise of Lupin, and I already feel like I'm at home with these characters, and I want to see more of this zany world. You get all the wonderful things that make it a good adaptation in respects to it coming from 2D animation and all the things that that format brings over to 3D. But it's also visually impressive with some of the best lighting in any kind of 3D CG film I've seen. The lighting in this film is noteworthy. It has wonderful colors. It has an impressive voice cast to go with it. The music is a blast and matches the mood of the film perfectly. The entire thing is just loads of fun. It's a globetrotter caper with great action, great humor, really fun characters that are just oozing with charisma and camaraderie. It's really a fun time. I highly recommend seeing it. The producers intended this film, the first, so to speak, to be a starting point for new audiences into Lupin, and this film works phenomenally at that. I'm going to be saying this a lot, but it really just is a lot of fun. This is a character and a world and an animation style and a script and voice performances that are all just fun. It really is worth your time. (laughs) But that will wrap up two cents. Now, let me tell you how you can potentially win this film or any of the others that are going to be featured featured during Animation Hall of Fave 2 by the giveaway. It is a giveaway I'm doing for Animation Hall of Fave 2, which is lasting all of January and all of February. So you still have another month. Any review left on podchaser.com slash the basement binge or any share of the podcast on Instagram with at binge basement tagged will give you an entry into the giveaway. Podchaser.com is a wonderful place. It's completely free. I'll link it below. But again, it's podchaser.com slash the basement binge. It's just a wonderful resource for podcasting in general, but really it allows you to leave reviews for the show and not just an overall review for the basement binge like Apple Podcasts restricts you to, but it also allows you to review each individual episode kind of like a like button on YouTube. It allows me to or a dislike if any review counts. It doesn't have to be five stars, but it allows me to see what you are enjoying. Also, it's just a fun way for me to spread the love of these films by being able to give one away to someone. So that's what you could win. For every entry, there'll be a drawing at the end of February. The first place winner will get a copy, either digitally or physically, of their choice. Any of the films during Animation Hall of Fave 2, again, of their choice. The second place winner will get a $10 gift card to either a video on demand service or a movie theater, again, of their choice. It helps out the show a ton, and it also is completely free in a way to win cool stuff for movies. So it helps a ton. Again, podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Let's move on with the rest of the episode after a very brief break. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I greatly appreciate you listening to that break and supporting The Basement Binge by doing so. Let's move on to the next segment, Pick Your Poison. I just feel so like so much excitement talking about this. Pick Your Poison here is the rating scale here, The Basement Binge, instead of having it be out of five stars or reels like Matt does on his show or percentage like Ron Tomatoes or whatever. It is all about the bingeability of the show. How would I choose to interact with it after seeing it this time? So the options are to never watch it again, which is very straightforward. Above that, to stream it, meaning it's on a service I'm already paying for, and I just click on it when I'm browsing. Above that is rent it in the right circumstances, pay a few dollars, and top of the list, you probably guessed, is to buy it. Lupin the Third, the first, without a doubt for me, is to buy the film. I already own it, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in Live Up, but this was only my second time seeing the film. I bought it just for the podcast episode that I was planning on doing because earlier I had just rented the film. And then I had never, I I mean, I was kind of on the fence like, "Mm, do I want to buy it? Mm, I don't know. Um, And just never did. And then the episode coming up, I bought it. The podcast aside, the moment I put the disc in, the menu starts with the high brass and saxophone loop and theme that is super stylized and a, a title sequences that just screams the beauty of the animation and the fun that it is, and I'm immediately reminded why I love this movie. And after viewing it the second time, I know this is a film that I'm going to revisit for years to come, so a second rewatch solidifies it as a buy, without a doubt. So, let's move on a little bit, like I just mentioned, to the next segment, Live Up. This is where I talk about my expectations for the film and if it is able to live up to them, because I'm super good at names here. I, I have no idea why. But forever ago, when this film was released here in the States, the app that I buy tickets through suggested it to me when it was being here in the fall of 2020 is when it was. I didn't go see it, but I was unable to forget about it. I had never heard of Lupin, but something was drawing me to this movie. I I, I didn't even watch a trailer. There was just something about it that really drew me in. Finally, about a year later in 2021, I sat on my couch, I rented the movie, and I loved every second of it. Immediately, I was impressed with the striking visuals and the dynamic lighting. Like that was the thing that I remembered most about this film was the really, really impressive animation, the kind of goofy characters that were fun and just like beautiful lighting that I normally don't notice in animated films. And then the characters, I didn't know who they were at all, but I felt like I understood them and their history. I had a desire to experience more, but I also felt like I didn't need to because I understood who they were and what their perspectives on life were. After finishing the movie, the more I learned about it, the more I I was impressed by it, especially in the animation and all the work that went into that. We'll talk about that more in Binge Points. So the first time it it completely exceeded any expectations I had for it because I really didn't have any. I, I didn't even know why I was so drawn to the movie. So the second time around, knowing why I enjoyed it and preparing for an episode, which I was really, really excited about, was it able to live up to the expectations? If you can't tell through the tone of my voice, Yes, it did. Completely. It exceeded my expectations in its impressive use of light. Like I said, I remembered that. And now I'm being impressed a second time and reminded why it was so memorably. This time I also really noticed the hair and cloth animation, which is extremely impressive. Everything you want from a 3D CG film, Lupin the Third, the first delivers on. From the sheen of his red leather jacket to the wind in the flowy clothes or the fluid motion and beautiful animation that they use in really, really live action-esque action scenes that also only work in animation. It's just a really, really fun film. Also, animated films tend to be a little bit more lighthearted. Not all of them, as you have seen in these episodes and you will continue to see, but they're kind of easier to enter, so to speak. And this is definitely one of those. It's a film that I could throw on 
without any second question and enjoy it. It's really funny as well. It reminded me of how much I love these characters, reminded me that I want to explore more of this franchise. So yes, it completely exceeded my expectations a second time around. So on to the next segment, lame, fave, or fame. Hello, everybody. All right. Simmer down. Simmer down. Thank you. Okay. This is just for Animation Hall of Fave, a new segment that I include here to talk about if the film is deserving of this entry into the supposed Hall of Fave, whatever that is, or is it a little bit better where it deserves fame, or is it just a total wreck and, and is lame and shouldn't have been entered in the first place? And in thinking about this episode beforehand, I was pretty sure that this was just going to be a fave because the caper nature of the film makes it very much up my alley. If you follow me on Letterboxd, you get that. And the English dub, while featuring wonderful voices and really great performances, it isn't even close to the remarkable work of something like a Ghibli film. Part of this is the difference between 2D and 3D and how much more movement you get in a mouth in 3D. It doesn't bother me. I enjoy it. But I do know how it would be a hurdle for others. Say whatever you will about the argument between sub versus dub. I'm not going to. However you choose to enjoy these films, just enjoy them. I've enjoyed both versions of the film. Dubs, though, whatever you say in that conversation, are important in the wider success of the film and newer audience members enjoying it. So that was kind of a hurdle. And also just, you know, the very much my interest that this film was. I was expecting it to be a fave and a very, very good fave that I'm really glad was an episode. But this is a really, really big step in animation. Lupin the Third, a beloved anime character, successfully making the transition to 3D CG and at the wish of the original creator, who we'll talk more about later, for that reason alone, this deserves fame on how successful it was and how to be successful at transitioning to 3D CG animation. How to leverage the advantages of the 3D medium while staying true to the 2D roots. There's a sequence when the characters fall out of plane and the wind simulation on their hair and their clothes is amazing. The sky is animated beautifully. It's a very thrilling action scene with great editing and camera work. It's a really dynamic, well-animated scene. Taking use of everything that 3D animation can offer. But then you get this moment when Lupin swims through the air to grab onto a plane and the animation is a perfect depiction of this character and what animation in general allows you to do. And it feels very, very nostalgic without me even having a rich history to the character. You can tell that there was very, it was very carefully crafted how does 3D animation portrayed particularly the movement of Lupin and his wackiness. I don't want 2D animation to go anywhere. I think we need more of it and not less of it. But 3D CG animation is relatively new in Japan. And there's a big excitement about it. A lot of people are wanting to push towards it. This should be the one that is remembered for being the successful endeavor into new territory. It should be famous for the incredible animation achievement that it is. Every other part of the film is more of a fave. And that's completely okay. Fave means favorite for a reason. But the technical achievement of this film alone needs to be recognized and remembered. Also, it's just, again, the lighting. I know Kung Fu Panda, we really talked about the lighting. I talked about the color. But this has lighting in a more realistic nature than Kung Fu Panda did. And it's you get a lot of direct light. You get a lot of uh, kind of hazy light. And it's, it's beautifully animated. I really enjoy the lighting of this film. If you've seen the movie or when you go see, you'll, you'll know what I mean. I'm not just talking about lights because I'm weird. It, it really is really well made. 
So let's just move on to binge points and talk about the creation of this film and how it was made, because there was a lot of work put into this animation. This is the first theatrical animated Lupin film in 23 years. Like, forget the CGI thing. This is the first Lupin theatrical film in 23 years. The last one was in 1996, Lupin the Third, Dead or Alive. It's also the first, as it's appropriately named, with 3D CG, as I've mentioned multiple times. The studio behind Lupin, TMS Entertainment, wanted to get 3D CG right. And it was because it was a wish of the Lupin the Third creator, Monkey Punch. Let me read you the snippet from the press kit that they sent out with this film, talking about Monkey Punch and his desire for 3D. As a keen adapter of digital technology, Monkey Punch learned to draw his manga on computers early. He also led the Digital Manga Association at its first president. Understandably, he's been longing to see his creation, Lupin the Third, come to life in 3D CG for quite some time. At a press interview for Lupin the Third versus Detective Conan the movie in 2013, he jokingly remarked, I'd like to see it in 3D next time. To fulfill his longtime dream, the planning of this movie started in the summer of 2015. Sadly, Monkey Punch passed away in April of 2019, and this film was released in September of 2019, so he didn't get to see the complete film. He did get to see an early version of the film as they were working on it before he passed away, and he said, I've been looking forward to seeing Lupin the Third in 3D CG for a long time now. I saw the characters and story, and it looks like this new Lupin is going to have a whole new feeling to him. It's exciting just imagining how the movie is going to turn out. So clearly he had a passion for this. TMS, the company behind Lupin, the production company, really wanted to get it right. So they teamed up with Marza Animation, who does CG films and got to work on the film. They had four plots being developed all at once. And Takashi Yamazaki, who eventually became the director, was initially just hired as a consultant on the story. He's been a director and a, a longtime filmmaker in Japan and, and kind of trusted and also a lover of Lupin for a while. And based off his consulting and the good job he was doing, he was then approached to direct and write the screenplay. He got to work and created 12 different drafts of the script. Then, based off the final draft, created storyboards based on it. The storyboards were then combined into an animatic, which is just footage of the storyboards combined together to make a really rudimentary film. So that animatic that was made was over 90 minutes long. This way, they could show the film to people and get feedback on it. It's a common thing in Hollywood to do, but this was the first time it's ever been done in a Japanese full-length feature film, which is pretty cool. They also had all the voice work done for the main characters, again, uncommon in Japan. Normally, they do the voice acting after the animation, matching their voices to the animation. This would be the other way around so that they could then match the animation to the voice performances. It was really new to a lot of the actors, but a lot of them had a lot of fun. The actor for Lupin, Kanichi Kurita, I think is how you say his name, had so much fun with this pre-scoring voice work that he actually ended up ad-libbing a ton of lines and a, actually a lot of them made it into the final film, which normally he wouldn't have been able to do. What's also really cool is that in the design of the characters and the storyboards, they were very, very basic because the director didn't want to design the characters until the voice acting was done. He designed them after he had heard the actors. He asked Suzu, who plays Leticia, to speak with excitement, especially when talking about archaeology, so that he could, quote, draw her with sparkles in her eyes, close quote, which I think is awesome. He also was there for the voice sessions and would get extremely excited hearing the voices and he would keep shouting, that's the real deal. He had a genuine excitement for the characters and it's very contagious. In his own words, he said, I ended up viewing this as a fan. And you can tell in the film. Back to this animatic that they made that was about 90 minutes. They had, this animatic with the voice work was finished in about May, June-ish of 2017. Then they showed it to about 100 people. 
And Yamazaki, the director, called the feedback that they got painful punches. The critiques ended up being over 100 pages long. So they made a second animatic. Actually, surprisingly quickly, that was finished in September 2017, shown again to the people, still harsh feedback. So they made a third and showed that to the people by November of 2017. So they were turning around pretty quick. That final animatic that was shown in November 2017 was then used to create the film. They set up the color script to get started on the lighting and the color work of the backgrounds using particularly a French comic, Bande Dessinée, as inspiration because of the films taking place in France. And then they got to work animating. And this animation was very difficult. And they had a great team behind it to include it. They included a lot of the veteran Lupin animators overseeing the style of it all. They also had French animators involved to help with the French sequences. They had a really a, a lot of care to really protect the authenticity and love for this character of Lupin. Talking about these particular veteran animators, the director said, someone asked him, we heard the legendary animators from the original Lupin animations are on this project. He said, there aren't that many, but a few scenes were done by the legendary animators. It was really fun because they would come up with shots that make me say, this is what Lupin is all about. Working with these animators and original voice actors was amazing for a Lupin fan like me. A lot of passion for these characters in the film. They took a lot of care, as you can tell, in how they animate them. They were actually going to use motion capture for the majority of it, if not all of it. It ended up being a little bit too expensive. But beyond that, it also wouldn't allow them to get what I call the cartoony look and movement of Lupin. So they ended up doing keyframe animation, which we talked about last episode. But in essence, they had to individually move or draw or manipulate each animation. And it's very, very tedious work, but it, it pays off and they get a very, for someone who is brand new to the character, a very Lupin-y performance and it looks great. And that was just the dedication they had for the movement and animation of the characters. The lighting alone, which I keep mentioning, had four different passes it would go through. The final composition with lighting and movement and color had three different passes and approvals from the director before it was rendered. The full process of animation to explain it all went from the storyboards, then they would create a 3D world like the backgrounds, and then they would add the character rigs and decide on the camera angles, very, very rudimentary. Then they would do a rough animation patch and fine tune the cameras. And this is where they would decide on kind of the basic facial expressions. Then they would animate the facial expressions. Then they would simulate the hair and then the clothes. And then they would add effects like clouds or gunfire or haze. And then they would set in detailed colors, which had two individual processes with lighting and then color and then color and lighting together. Then they would establish contrast and then it would have a final render. So it was a very, very lengthy process to create an image that was worth looking at. And it paid off. To use a common quip you've definitely heard before, I could hang any moment of this film on my wall. It was a lot of work, though. They were only able to produce about seven seconds of video per week. If 20 people worked on it together, they could maybe get 15 seconds. It ended up taking about two and a half years from that initial voice recording that I mentioned for the animation to be finished. Thinking about that, one second a day of work, that is just very, very impressive. And it's just because they really cared about the characters and they really cared about the animation and about the work that they were doing. It, the, the labor of the animators was very careful, but also in the direction behind it. They were careful with the camera movement to make it feel like a live action film, to feel more at home in this globe trotting caper that they were trying to produce. They didn't want the camera movement to give away that it was animation. The character design that I mentioned was weighted until the voice performance. That was done extremely carefully. The director mentions trying to make Jigen, for example, to be cool, but composed. 
or Goemon to be superhuman, but to have a human side, particularly in regard to his Zentescan sword. And then Lupin, of course, having the appeal of being fashionable, but also adult-like at the same time. And then Fuchiko. She has quite the history. They wanted her to be very sexy, but cute and approachable at the same time. And it's really funny how frequently in the interviews, both with the director and multiple of the um, uh, voice actors, the Japanese voice actors, mentioned how their first interaction with Lupin was seeing an episode of the show early in the afternoon on TV, and Fujiko is in the shower, and she's naked, and it shows her butt. <laughs> I mean, it's animated. And all of them feeling like they weren't allowed to watch it, feeling like it was a later evening show that was on earlier. It's funny how many times they all mentioned that, and talking about Fujiko, she was originally in the manga based off a classmate that Monkey Punch had that he had a crush on, and uh, that's why she was designed that way. Kind of meant to be really, really attractive and and nice, but also kind of unapproachable uh, and way out of your league, which is fun. Just fun characterization. Speaking of these interviews, though, it was really fun for me to see the excitement that everyone had towards the 3D CG animation. I mean, maybe it was just the press script that they were given and they were really convincing. I don't know. It seemed sincere to me. 3D CG is fairly new to Japan, considering the, the animation powerhouse that it is. It's been involved in a lot of things, but in the majority of projects it's been used in, because it's there's not a lot of feature length films that are completely... Th- 3D CG, but a lot of films like Bell, for example, that last episode used 3D CG. But in in those moments, it's usually used to match the 2D style. It's hard to get a comprehensive list of all the 3D CG animated films in Japan. My research says that the first feature length film was in 1998. Again, it's kind of iffy. Lupin is definitely one of the first tentpole films by any means. Depending on what you count in your list of Japanese 3D animation, this is about the 10th-ish. Again, I could be way off because finding a comprehensive list is quite difficult. So let's just go with 10th. And then you compare that number to something like Pixar. Pixar alone, in the same amount of time, has made 22 films. Then you also add the likes of Disney and DreamWorks or Blue Sky and Illumination, and 3D CG becomes very, very saturated, particularly here in the States. Over there in Japan, 2D animation has been extremely saturated, and rightfully so. It's beautiful and really well done. I mean, anime alone is very much not 3D CG animation. So the excitement for it feels really fresh and new, and the animators and the technology in Japan who are creating it are also very fresh and new. Just look at Earwig and the Witch, which is Studio Ghibli's first attempt at 3D CG. Some of it was a stylized choice, but when comparing it to Lupin, and knowing that both of them came out at a similar time and they're both trying to do the same thing, Earwig and the Witch looks like garbage. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but it has no textures. It has no well-lit environments. There's no fluid fabrics or hair. It's dull and stiff facial expressions. It is not good 3D CG. It has saturated, punchy colors that are way too overbearing. And none of it's exciting and takes advantage of anything that 3D CG can offer. It, it seems like... They took a 2D image and just made it a 3D shape. Doesn't look good. And so it's impressive that Lupin the First looks this good for being, as the film calls itself, the first. And a lot of the credit has to go to the director. He's been involved in VFF's work in Japan since 1987 and was the director of some of the first 3D CG feature films ever. So his experience and his talent definitely was advantageous in the production of this film. So again, if I wasn't convincing enough earlier, now maybe you can kind of understand why this is deserving of the fame 
particularly just for the technical achievement of it. As far as other bench points go, not too many. Just a few things that I want to point out in the film that I thought were, were really, really fun. My experience with Lupin is still new. I haven't done enough binging to get any more points, so I just have a few here. And they both have to do with the yellow Fiat 500, which is like one of my favorite parts of the film. The cigarette holder in the front dashboard is just chock full of Jigen's chewed cigarettes. It's like overflowing, which is just a fun characterization. In one scene, he even picks up one, kind of examines it, and then throws it out and gets a different one to chew on. I thought it was funny. That same, the, the last bench point I have here is involving the same yellow Fiat 500. Earlier, when Letitia is running through the streets, talking on the radio, she almost gets hit by it, crossing the road, but luckily, Jigen is an amazing driver and swarms to miss her. But it's just like a blink and you miss it. Like, if you're not paying attention, you think it's just a random car, but it's fun that it's them and what that scene means later, which I'm trying not to say for the sake of spoilers. And then lastly, extreme respect for the film. Whenever Jigen files his gun, which is a revolver, he only fires it six times. I got respect for that. That is all I can say. Spoiler free. Spoilers are coming. If I have not convinced you, go watch the movie. It's not streaming anymore. You'll have to rent it, uh, but you can rent it digitally. Not like Studio Ghibli films where you have to purchase it. It is worth the $3 that it would probably is to rent it. I promise you will enjoy it. Go check it out and then come back and enjoy the rest of this episode. For those of you that have seen the film, let's talk about least and likes. My least favorite scene and my favorite scene. Because my favorite scene, this is a great transition, has to do with that gunshot that I'm not trying not to re- review too much about. So let's briefly talk about my least favorite. Some of the scenes with the Nazis are a bit slow and don't match the otherwise really fun pace that the film has, especially with the sometimes heavy exposition that's involved in those scenes. It's a very, very minor complaint and something that I don't notice. The scenes move on relatively quickly and we get back to something more exciting. And I'm not just talking about anima- uh, or, or action or pace, but to characters that are more interesting. Um, and again, very, very minor complaint. So that's my least. Now my like. It was hard to pick because there's a lot of scenes that I love, but to pick one, the opening car chase with Jigen and Goyamon rescuing Lupin is such a great intro to the characters, the world, and the lore, and the gorgeous animation. The lighting is fantastic, the movement of the cars and action is perfectly fluid, and the characters in that moment are so perfectly realized. It's a wonderful scene. I go back and just watch that scene just for fun because I love the little Fiat 500 swerving in between all those cop cars. It's a blast. I don't, I don't know how you could watch that and not enjoy yourself. It's a little bit over the top in the best way possible. And speaking of over the top, I have to mention the music. This opening theme. A bit over the top in a totally self-assured way and a bit arrogant, just like Lupin but also it's completely stuffed with class and punch and just the right amount of catchiness and charisma. It, it is a perfect theme that gets stuck in your head for all the right reasons, and I feel like it matches Lupin perfectly. So those are the things I love most about the film. Now, let's move on to the very last segment, Fall In. This is where I talk about messages or takesaways or relatable themes, those types of things from the film. And this segment of the episode was one that I really didn't have an idea what I was going to say. I almost considered taking it out when preparing for this episode. But then in one of the interviews I was watching, the director said something that I loved. He said that he was asked about what is the appeal to Lupin. And he said, the appeal is camaraderie. They are a team that can't be separated. And there's this hilarious scene that portrays this perfectly there when Lupin 
uh, and his team, they crash in the plane and they're stuck in the desert and they have no idea how to escape. And Lupin gets an idea and heads over to the ra- radio and just says, Oh, hello. <laughs> I mean, like, come on, that's so goofy and really, really funny. But then later they team up with him to be successful in thwarting a bigger threat to then just go back to the cat and mouse chase that they have. It's just fun. These characters belong together and that camaraderie feels really authentic and makes me want to be with these people because they fit so well together. So to stretch that a little bit, which isn't so much a a theme in the film and more just kind of a theme of the characters. And that's just the camaraderie and differences. Goyamon, Jigen, Lupin, of course, Fujiko, even Letitia, how she's at it, and then, of course, Inspector Zenigata, they, they are all very different. But they all help each other, and they all genuinely care for each other. Even though Lupin's a thief, he tells Letitia that it's not something she should become reluctantly. He still helps her out, and he helps out someone who doesn't have agency in a moment. He does something worthwhile for another person, despite the differences. And that relationship isn't interrupted by their vast differences, and that is something that I can definitely get behind. There are more important things out there than our differences, and we should set them aside in working together to accomplish them, whether that's thwarting some Nazis or anything else. uh, Our differences aren't that important, and we can have a lot of fun when we just get along. If Lupin and Vector Zenigata can do it, we definitely can. So thank you for enjoying this episode of Lupin the Third, the first. Thank you for enjoying this film with me. Again, if you have not seen it, go watch it. If you've seen it, go watch it again. It's well worth it. If you'd like to potentially win a copy of this film, leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basin binge. It's a great way to help out the show. Additionally, I would love to get your thoughts about the next few episodes. We got a Disney week coming with The Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, and Treasure Planet. Then after that, we have the How to Train Your Dragon series. I would love to get your thoughts about those. There's a list on Letterboxd that I will link below that has all the films for Animation Hall of Fame 2. You can leave a comment there, or you can go on Instagram and comment on any post. You can send me an email if you want at bingebasement at gmail.com. You can DM me on Instagram. You can connect to me on Discord if you really want to do that. My Discord will be listed below, but it's just Harry Perry 13 number 1579. Whatever. However you want to get in contact with me to let give me your thoughts about The Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Treasure Planet, or the three How to Train Your Dragon films. I would love to include your thoughts on those episodes coming up. Thank you for enjoying this animation Hall of Fame volume two with me we're halfway through there's so much more to come this was a great halfway through point because lupon third the first is just an absolute blast so thank you for enjoying it with me once again if you didn't know this is animation hall of fave volume two this is the basement binge and my name is harrison that's all for now ciao ciao When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.